0: Hey, folks. Welcome to the Newsprint Commando. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Beware, there will be spoilers. This is episode 17 of the show, and Noble Comics Justice Machine, Volume 1, Issue 2, is what I'm looking at. Now, if you want to contact me, Teal Productions and Newspeak Commando, both on Twitter, are good places to start. Two Productions has a Facebook page. I am Indie Man at gmail.com. Indie is I-N-D-I-E, is the email address. And Teal Productions at the top there is T-E-A-L. Comicbooknoise.com slash T-N-C, the letters. Tango November Charlie, T-N-C. If you want to go to the website and leave comments there. Now Justice Machine, Volume 1, Issue 2, cover dated 1981. And there is no month on here, so let me... Hopefully, oh, switch quickly over here. Winter 1981. I, I, that is November, December, I guess. Something like that. The script, uh, again, three chapters with much interstitial, which I'll get into when we get there. Three chapters. Scripted, all three by Mike Gustavich. Penciled, chapters one and two by Mike Gustavich, but the third by Charlie Wallace. Inks for the first chapters by Rusty Klonker. That's an interesting name. It's probably a pseudonym or it's a conglomerate name. Chapter 2, The Figures. Chapter 2, The Backgrounds. William Messner, Loeb's Figures. Charlie Wallace, Background. Chapter 3, Inked by Mike Gustavich. Colors, Chapters 1 and 2 by Joe Zabel. Chapter 3 by Robert Berry. And Lettered, All Three Chapters by Mike Gustavich. Justice Machine, Blazer, Mitrian is her given name. We find out this episode, this issue. Titan, Gemin, J E M I N. We find out this issue. Demon, Diviner, Talisman and Challenger are our Justice Machine characters. Now, we are introduced to the Crusaders. No, the Guardians. The Guardians, I'm sorry. And I'll give you their names here in a little bit. So we open up this issue with the Justice, with the Machiners, as they're going to be called. Well, actually, let me go back. Gatefold cover. The back cover, which would be the left when it's opened up, are the Guardian. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. The right hand side is the Justice Machine with the logos and the prices and the Gustavich and Austin. Terry Austin inked this for us. Inside front cover is the Justice Machine logo, the staff listing. And another letter for us by Bill Loeb. And then starting our story, we have, interestingly enough, uh, a full-page spread of the machiners coming back home via a nimbus of energy on Earth. We know they've taken the, uh, there we go, the dimensional transporter. That's what we're looking for. So using the dimensional transporter, they have come back from Earth to Jorwell, and they are returning in a big nimbus of energy, which is just um, a figment of what's going on, just a representation. But what really got my interest is over on the left-hand side of the picture, are a series of text narration uh, blocks, bubbles. And they're in different colors as you go down. Pink, orange, greenish, blue, greenish again, darker greenish, yellow, orange, and a darker orange. I'm not sure why they felt the need to color them, but they did. So we're returning to Earth, each of them, uh, to each of them being the machiners, to tidy up their their lives, I guess, because they're getting ready to go on the run. And there's no discussion about whether on the run means to well or another dimension such as Earth, something like that. But they are certainly coming up to tidy up their affairs. First up is Challenger. He's at Justice Machine headquarters looking through some materials that he has as leader, uh, looking for information, personal notes and whatnot, on all of the bad guys on Jorwell. All the information over the years that he's put together, basically, well, it's gone. The machines... Computers are cleaned out. The computers are off. No power to the place. All of his written notes are gone. Everything. His his office has been cleaned out. He's interrupted by a couple guards who thought they heard something. He hides in a uh, behind a hidden panel there in his office. Cut to Blazer. She's in a very seedy part of town. Says it's gotten worse since the last time she was there. So apparently their travels as the Justice Machine have kept them away from certain. From from their lives for a period of time, and from other aspects of Jorwell for potentially even longer periods of time as they've been working. I don't know that they have necessarily made it a habit to go to other dimension um, as the police force for Zarin and Jorwell, but they did have uh, quite a bit of knowledge of that concept. So maybe that's what maybe that's what's been going on. They've been going to other dimension, different time passage rules, and so. But uh, Blazer is here, and it's a much more run-down part of town than she thought. She's going to visit her mother, who is not in her right mind. A couple people are here waiting for her, just in case she does show up. Blazer gives them the uh, juvembi there with some fire sauce, lights them up, starts to take her mother with her, but her mom's like, no, I need to stay here and talk to the people. They're always nice to me when they talk. And Blazer realizes that on the run would be no place for her um her mom in the in the condition we cut to titan he we find out that he likes living out in the woods so much so that he built his house on top of a mountain that uh seriously looks like a face and a head he jumps in surprises his wife who has been completely converted by the news by zarin by jorwell and his son they don't believe the titan's innocent they don't believe he's a good guy anymore they chase him off his wife picks up a gun to run him off, but she doesn't know how to operate it, and in firing on him, apparently kills herself and their two young sons. Now, this is, well, let me finish up the scene here first. He, uh, in his grief, in, in his horror and grief, he uh, triggers his growing power and grows to the height of a 100 feet, but that is too high, too fast, and he ends up passing out. Now, oddly enough, Blazer realized that taking her family on the run with her was not a good idea titan not so much he's willing to take his wife and two young sons they are net tween age or a little bit younger Uh, it's okay to take the three of them on the run in his mind but blazer it's not okay for her to take her demented mother on the interesting difference between the two there Moving on, we get to Diviner, who is visiting a cemetery and is upset. She's visiting Jonathan son, maybe. We don't know. It's covered up by her cape. She's upset, love, hate, repent. Um, All of these emotions are in the various narration captions for her. Until finally she kicks over this uh, grave marker, the one that was marked Jonathan. Don't know. Husband, brother, father. Don't know. We cut to what actually, in my mind, appears as tract housing, here by the looks of it. Dozens and dozens of buildings, all identical. Uh, This is where Talisman, he's going through his stuff, trying to figure out what he's going to take. But he's interrupted by his landlady. She... Jumps him, takes a swing at him, hits him. He backhands her, or actually he open fist slaps her. And the panel that we see is of her laying on the ground with a pool of blood emanating from her head. So apparently his uh, four slap back slap was enough to kill her in some way, I guess, is how we're going to take it. Next, we have a panel of demon um, looks like he's going to purchase something, but the purchase is interrupted here uh, by what appears to be law. He overcomes them, and that is the end of the first chapter. Chapter 2, we once again see Guardian as he's kicking some robot tuchus, uh a la uh, robot, valiant robot dude. What's his name? Wow, I had his name in it completely. It's kicked me. But that it... it Put me, Magnus, robot fighter, put me in mind of him uh, the way Dean is trashing these dudes. But we then see Titan who grabs one and rips it in half. Then we see Challenger. Uh, affixing some electronic devices to a doorway to open it uh, quietly without them having to trash it or break it down or whatever. And then we have an image on page 13, a panel of the entire team. They are looking for the dimensional, what's its dimensional transporter? And they're in this huge room uh, full of hallways and, and nooks and crannies and whatnot, like the warehouse out of... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, where they take the Ark there at the end. I kind of envision this as that kind of situation. There's all kinds of technology and technological devices in the building, but they don't know exactly where the dimensional transporter is. Uh, Diviner maybe is able to help, but she's not proving very helpful at the moment. Some kind of interference or something. Trying to figure out what to do, the lights go out come back on. They divvy up into teams. Demon and Talisman, Titan and Diviner, and uh, Blazer and Challenger. That way, it'll be easier to write their encounters with the bad guy group in the book, obviously, is is why they split up. But uh, in the story, I'm sorry, they split up to be able to cover more ground efficiently but we know better. So, Demon and Talisman walking down the hallway here, and a huge ball and chain ripped through the wall, knocking out Demon, and through the gap steps a woman who is wielding the ball and chain, kind of like the Wrecker from Marvel Comics, if you know that, a a Wrecking Ball, and a, a big, thick dude wearing kind of similar colored costumes, but a little different in the accoutrement. The big dude... Um, knocks a hole in the floor trying to hit Talisman, and Talisman falls down through the hole into uh, lower stories of the building. Cut to Diviner and Talisman as, uh, excuse me, Titan and Diviner. And as Titan is helping Diviner up into a smaller uh, opening. He is struck by something that's causing him pain, and then a shield-wielding someone knocks him out from behind with a, an energy globe speaking to him from from uh, behind, uh, hovering in the air. The energy globe is the one that struck Titan with pain, and then this dude with the shield knocked him out. While that's going on, some... Dude uh, attacks Diviner from behind, and he is reminiscent of Vision Minus Color, that whitish, plain Vision from West Coast Avengers. That's, that's what he looks like. And, you know, I, I apologize that so many of my references are Marvel characters. Uh, they are just the characters that I'm most familiar with, and I, I think potentially a lot of the audience would be familiar with them as well. If not, I apologize in trying to describe A, using reference B, that you don't know either Um, I'm sorry for that I don't I'm I'm not sure what else to to use other than my knowledge and the vast majority of my knowledge is marble combo all right then we get some uh, breaks in the action here we get the first actual letters page which I neglected to read I should have read those I'll have to go back a subscription ad and then an original art ad identical to the ads that I spoke of from last issue then we have two Mr. Reinhold covers uh, uh, drawings here. His name is um, William, I believe. Let's see if I can find it real quick. William Reinhold, I apologize. I do not see it where I saw it, but he's a new person that's going to be drawing, I think starting with next issue. But there's a Diviner uh, drawing and a Challenger drawing on, on these two pages. Then we get some ads from Collector's Corner. On the left side and on the right side, other places where you can get the Justice Machine book. Uh, one of which is Collector's Corner, Capital City, uh, which is a distributor. Which is a distributor. Pacific Comics, which is a distributor. Bud Plant, who I believe at this point owns a Comic Shop, but I think, I don't know if he's a distributor yet or not, but he will be. FW Enterprises and Green, uh, Dreamland. FW Enterprises, I bet, is a distributor as well. Dreamland is in Canada. So we have Michigan, Wisconsin, California, California, New York, and Hamilton, Ontario. And an ad for the Collector's Corner and Magazine Mania presenting... Comic Card and Nostalgia Convention, January 9 and 10, 1982, East Brook Mall, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Mike Gustavich is going to be there, so that's the reason to come. All right, continuing on, we are now with Blazer and Challenger, who are making some headway, but they uh, take a moment to speak to each other to kind of catch each other up and get on the same page, and they are attacked by big dude that wraps a cape of some sort of piece of fireproof cloth around her and then human torchy kind of dude but all in blue flying around uh leaving a trail of blue and he's all in blue and then we find out that the challenger that blazer has been following around here is nothing but a holographic projection controlled by the crusaders so she was being led astray the entire time now We have on pages 26 and 27, the face-off, much as the gatefold cover. The left side, we have the Guardians. I said Crusaders, I'm sorry. The Guardians, and they are Monolith, who we find out is Titan's brother with the same power, only he can get bigger and stronger heavier. Monolith, Crusader, that's the gentleman wielding the shield, throwing it like Captain America. Malefactor, that is the female with the wrecking ball. Night Lightning is the blue human torchy dude. The Hunk, which is the big dude that knocked a hole in the floor through which um, Talisman fell through. He's the muscle man. He's the tank of the group. And Phaser, who is the colorless phantomy y like uh, person that attacked Diviner. And then opposite them, uh, penned up in a behind a bubble that is indestructible from the inside, is our team, Blazer, Titan, Demon, Diviner, Talisman, and Challenger. Uh, Everybody is talking—well, no. The Guardians are not talking, but the Machiners are talking. Uh, This is the start of the third chapter. Talking to each other and talking to those outside. First up is Challenger and Crusader, talking about Jorwell and believing in Jorwell. And Jorwell, and not believing in Jorwell, basically are the two sides: challengers, the not believe crusader, well, with the name crusader, of course, is the believe. He's also younger than Diviner, I, and it, it starts to come out now. Diviner is far and away the oldest of the group, and so his age and old man, and can you keep up, and things like that, will start to come up more and more as that is really established that he's he's the the old guard. In the group. Uh, so we're going back and forth, back and forth. Now, I apologize. I said that Talisman was here trapped with them. He is not. Remember, he fell to the lower levels of the building. Well, he has found his way to wherever they are and heard Crusaders say that this bubble was indestructible from the inside. And so he thought, well, maybe it's not indestructible from the outside. So he just leaps on it and Essentially falls. He he doesn't do it very gracefully. Falls and crashes right through it. Now, I think that is part of what's going to turn out to be his power, his uh, probability, his good luck power. Immediately, Blazer blazes into action, holding the Guardians off with a flame wall while everyone is gathered. Uh, the plan is laid out. Crusader indicates to Monolith to put out the flame and he does the big Hulk clap and with a puff of air puts out the firewall but then of course the um, machiners are all gone leaving apparently somebody laying here in their cell where they were. But I don't know who that is because it's not Talisman because he's in the next panel here running with them. I don't know who that's supposed to be. Hmm. Uh, So they escape, they're running away, but they know that the Guardians know the building better, and so they're concerned about being dogged from behind, but also running into them as they run forward. Finally, they do find the control room for the dimensional lock, and indeed, the Guardians have amassed there. We have a 60% page panel here of the six Guardians facing down. Nice examples, uh, drawings of them and their uniforms and everything like that. Good reference material. Here is where we find out that Monolith and Titan are brothers because they face off against each other. Hunk and Demon, of course, the martial artist and the tank face off. Um, Demon loses. Titan loses in the other battle. We cut next to Challenger. And Crusader, who uh, Challenger seems to be holding his own and perhaps winning. Diviner is winning here against Phaser. Blazer is winning against Night Lightning, uh, such that she sufficiently burns it, actually. And then Malefactor takes out Talisman. Here at this point, um, Crusader has gotten Challenger and is talking trash to him. Here he brings up the age difference again. Challenger is using that as an opportunity to distract Pulling out a particular weapon that shoots what must be some sort of energy lariat that uh, entraps Crusader. Looks like it, it. he shoots it like a harpoon through him and then yanks him towards, but I think it's a lariat. Yanks Crusader towards him and Challenger with the big left hand knocks him out. Blazer and... Night Lightning, uh, Blazer finds out that Night Lightning can absorb the energy that Blazer is putting out toward him. So he is actually getting powerful. Finally decides that he's just going to fly right through her and finds out that she is a fire construct. This person that he's facing. He immediately turns and fires back, but misjudges and takes out and kills Monolith, a titan wishing his now dead brother um, peace saying that he will meet i assume the references he says sleep my brother there are other loved ones who await you i think that's um, titan's wife and children so this pretty much has knocked out the guardians the machiners get to the dimensional lock uh, dimensional transporter and they poof away um doesn't tell us where to, but just that they go away. And we are left with the words of Robert Frost. The woods are lonely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and mile to go before I sleep. And so our last uh, visual page, The Justice Machine, next issue. Da-da-da-da-da-da, more pages, more color. And introducing Bill Reinhold, a penciler you won't soon forget, not to mention the rest of the gang. So Bill Reinhold, who... With issue one was a high school senior, I believe, that uh, Bill Lobes told us. So if that's true, that's cool. Um, I looked up his career. He does hang around and has a lengthy career. I don't think he's done anything significant like since like 17 or 18, so I don't know what he's doing currently. But if you look him up, you'll see that he's done a lot of Marvel and DC stuff that will keep him in the uh, – collector zeitgeist for quite a while inside back cover is an ad for things that you can purchase from pacific comics distributor the one the couple things well actually three things uh four things five things well elf quest trade uh star slayer captain victory there's an r checklist that i didn't even think i knew existed so i'm gonna have to look that up the x-men um index book by uh yeah i forget the name of the company but you know who they are because they did X Men and Titans and Justice League. They did several of those. And Paperbacks USA, a superb graphic history of paperback books, 39 to 59, 32 pages of color, thousands of covers pictured. Trade paperback, 270 pages. That sounds like an interesting book. Uh, 39 to 59, a lot of pulpy book to be in. There. Uh, and then the back cover is the left-hand side of the gatefold. So lots of. Cooly goodness, there. I'm gonna to have to go back and read the letters page. I forgot to check that out. Leave that. Over. And um, so, I think that's everything pretty much that I wanted to say. I uh, I'm liking the the series. I'm liking the art. Um, it's interesting that you know you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven creatives on this as far as the artwork in three chapters, uh, roughly 30 pages of uh, of sequential. I I don't know if it's intended to be that way or if we're trying to get things done in a time frame that one individual can't. You know I don't know if it's a tryout situation or someone that can't so they get help or whatever. But I do know still. Uh, Mike Gustavich, very, very heavily involved. All scripts, all letters, two of the three pencils, and uh, actually uh, one chapter of inks as well. So he can script pencil, ink, and letter. The only thing Gustavich can't do or chooses not to do is uh, is color. And it could be he can do that, but he's letting someone else do that while he is doing, you know, further scripting, further uh, penciling, inking, whatever. So uh, Bill Loeb's still involved. That's kind of cool. And... I think that's it, guys. So I I do want to thank you for uh, hanging out with me. All the ways to contact me at the top of the show. Uh, Please do so. Let me know what you think about these books if you have them. Um, I don't know if my talking about them has encouraged you to find them. They're not difficult to find. Um, You can find probably all five of these as a lot on eBay. I know you can certainly get them from Lone Star Comics uh, slash My Comic Shop if you want to get them. Get them and read them. These are 80s Just indie goodness. I mean, this is just the exemplar 80s indie kind of story, art, inking, coloring, lettering. It's all. It's just, this is just right in my wheelhouse for the kind of stuff that I want to read nowadays. All right. That's it for me. I will talk to you guys again next time. Ciao.